0: Welcome, everyone, to the Book and Film Globe Week in Review podcast. I am your host, Neil Pollack, the greatest living American writer, a Rotten Tomatoes certified film critic, and the editor-in-chief of Book and Film Globe. You can find us at www.bookandfilmglobe.com. We cover the worlds of books and film and streaming TV and so much more. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about abbott elementary the hit abc sitcom that is debuting new episodes starting march 22nd but first i don't know if you were aware or not but there's a war going on in ukraine and uh, russia is the country that has instigated the war and there's a movement around the world to ban things that are russian russian products russian music and russian literature and we're going to talk to contributor michael washburn about the recent attempts to Cancel some Dostoevsky classes in Italy and why that's wrong and why Dostoevsky matters in this day and age. We'll be right back after this semi Slavic musical interlude. So you all are probably aware that there is a war going on in Ukraine and that Russia started the war. And this has made Russia a pariah in the global community, as, as well it should. But there have been some um, odd consequences of, of this war. The Cardiff Philharmonic is not uh, performing Tchaikovsky out of protest, as, as if Tchaikovsky ordered the invasion itself. There are various bans on Russian foods and, and and people are putting uh, videos on instagram of themselves like dumping vodka into the sink and so on So, uh, we covered this a bit on book and film globe. Michael washburn is here. Hello, michael Hi, hey, so, uh you know, since we are a, a culture publication and not a vodka publication, and we're not even a, a, a classical music pub, uh, publication, we we talked about the near cancellation of Fyodor Dostoevsky at this university in Italy. Maybe, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what, what happened there.
1: So this professor at University of Milan, Paolo Nori, teaches a popular course on the works of Dostoevsky, And Nori is himself a novelist and a very learned scholar of Russian literature. And I take it that his course is quite popular. And in the aftermath of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the university came forward with the announcement that this course would be postponed. And a lot of people were quite incredulous, definitely including Professor Nori himself. And there's a video you can see online where he talks about this decision and how While events in Ukraine are an unbelievable tragedy and calamity, he thinks that what has been happening in Italy is, as he puts it, ridiculous. Why would this be your response to a decision taken by the Russian regime? So an uproar ensued, and it was stoked largely by tweets and by this video, and hundreds of thousands of people around the world found out about this story. So the university backed down, and they said, okay, the course can proceed as scheduled professor nori will be able to teach his course and i think we should all be grateful for that because cancellation of books and professors and courses and ideas is never the answer censorship is never the answer i feel very passionately about that
0: yeah agreed and that's uh that's something you know if, if we if we hit on one thing over and over again on Book and Film Globe, unless it's writing about cooking shows, which is another thing we do a lot. Uh, It's that censorship is bad, whether it's coming from the right or from the left. And, you know, you'd think, you know, I don't know about you, but reading Russian literature in translation, admittedly, was one of the best things about my my college education. You know, the the literature uh, of Russia is so rich. And if you want to understand what's going on right now in Russia, I mean, there are a lot of ways to understand it, but If you want to have a sort of a deeper cultural understanding of of, of the situation, you'd think you'd want to be reading Dostoevsky, who's arguably Russia's greatest novelist.
1: Here is what is so ironic about the University of Milan's original decision. The article that I wrote, it was conceived and written as a breaking news type piece, and I didn't really go into Dostoevsky's life and thought and work that much. But it should be pointed out that Dostoevsky— got in trouble and nearly lost his life as a result of his involvement with what was known as the Petrushevsky circle and in 1849 a police informant reported his and other people's activities and they were arrested and they were taken out to be executed, and what activities? The Petroshevsky Circle was a liberalizing force in Russia that believed in what I think most people today would consider to be very forward-looking, enlightened reforms. They wanted to abolish serfdom, and they were opposed to, to censorship. And these are some of the issues that they based their platform on. And so I'm sure that you see here the the special irony of trying to cancel Dostoevsky who nearly died for his opposition to abuses of the regime. And the regime of Nicholas I has things in common with that of Vladimir Putin. It's this autocratic power that doesn't care about people's rights. Dostoevsky was against that. So saying we're going to cancel Dostoevsky is a little bit like saying we're going to cancel the French resistance to signal our opposition to the Vichy collaborationist regime. Yeah. Right, And who cares if one is anti-Nazi and the other is pro-Nazi? They're both French. So let's cancel the French resistance. It's about as intelligent as that. It just shows an inability to make distinctions. And as I said before, censorship is never the answer, but it's particularly ironic that someone would set out to cancel Dostoevsky to signal opposition to what the Russian regime is doing.
0: Right. I mean, he was anti-elite and anti-autocracy in every aspect of his writing and his life. So it's bizarre I mean and, and if he were um, alive today he would obviously be criticizing what Putin is doing and p- probably be doing it from exile maybe self-imposed exile but you know exile nonetheless you know he would he, and he would certainly be targeted by the uh, the secret police I mean you see what's going on in Moscow and St. Petersburg and other cities they're arresting people who are who oppose this uh, military action by the by the thousands. Mm-hmm. So it, it it is it is a great irony. I the the one thing I would say you know I would say is it is uh it has been heartening to see that the reaction to this action by these cowardly educators these bureaucrats in Italy has not been you know people have not praised them they've been they they have been widely uh, mocked and criticized.
1: I agree, and that is very encouraging. I can't find a single commentary online that says. The administrators were right to cancel Dostoevsky. I think their decision was met with widespread ridicule as soon as it emerged, and I find encouragement in that.
0: We will uh, continue to ridicule them here as well. Uh, before we we cut off, is that would you recommend one or two uh, Dostoevsky works? Obviously, you know his most famous novels are you know, "Crime and Punishment," "The Idiot," "The Gambler," uh, "The Brothers Karamazov." and so on. But uh, is there one novel in particular that you think is relevant to today or a short story that people may not be familiar with?
1: My favorite work of his has always been Notes from Underground. And I don't think we can quite classify that as a novel because it's divided into two parts. And one of them is this monologue. And then the second part is The Tale of the Falling Sleet, which is a narrative version presenting the ruminations of this disturbed, alienated man And it's just an absolutely brilliant work. And no matter how many times you read it, you'll always find new layers of meaning in it. And it has endless implications for Russia today and the relationship of alienated, marginalized people and intellectuals to the society they live in. And it's just a a fascinating, haunting work, Notes from Underground.
0: I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unattractive man. I believe my liver is disease. I I believe that's how how it
1: begins. (laughs) Depending on the translation you read. I've also read, uh, I believe there's something wrong with my liver. So yeah, that's close enough.
0: That's one of my, if not my favorite opening to a work of literature, uh, then certainly one of them. So Fyodor Dostoevsky, not canceled. You can still read him. And uh, maybe it'll give you a little bit of perspective about uh, what is going on right now in Ukraine. Michael Washburn, thank you so much for chatting with me about it. My pleasure. Just when you thought the network sitcom was dead in the water, uh, a new show comes along. Every time every time it happens, you think like, well, there's never going to be another good network sitcom. And, and then something else comes along and reinvigorates the form. The current savior of the network sitcom is a show on ABC called Abbott Elementary. And it is the creation of a young woman named Quinta Brunson, who came to prominence or to the attention of network executives when she did a uh, kind of a dating comedy show on Instagram of all places, and now she's got her very own network show. Abbott Elementary is set in an elementary school in West Philadelphia, chronically underfunded, but full of good-hearted and well-meaning teachers. Uh, Book and Film Globe contributor Lonnie Gonzalez has graciously agreed to join me here in the podcast chamber to talk about Abbott Elementary. Hello, Lonnie.
2: Hello, Neil. Thank you for having me today.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you. So I, um, you know, I really put off watching the show, not for any particular reason, just because my my streaming queue was full. And I started watching it, and I barreled through all nine episodes that are currently available on Hulu. I barreled through them in like in like three days. You know, they were just I just found them delightful and fun, and and really, I don't know, they felt contemporary in a way that wasn't annoying. Maybe you had the same reaction.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's a really easy watch if you missed it as they aired, which I think a lot of people aren't watching TV live anymore. Um, it's very easy to just kind of binge them all. Well, there's a
0: lot of things I like about Abbott Elementary, but the, you know it's interesting that they took the for no particular reason the fake documentary format that was popularized in The Office and continued in Parks and Recreation. They also did it on Modern Family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they've applied it to the show. And I don't it's not my favorite format or anything, but it, it works pretty well, you know, because you have the, you know, the little ironic asides and the people sort of glancing at the camera and different people glance at the camera at different times. And, you know, I feel like it, it, it's fairly effective that there's a crew doing a documentary about this underfunded school.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought it was odd that, that it had that uh, format of the documentary. I mean, I think you can pretty much ignore it or not think about it. And really, I feel like the reason to have it is, is for those little glances so that the characters can look straight into camera and, you know, give the uh, the uh, ironic eye roll or something. I, I mean, I don't know that it really uh, needs to have the uh, setup that there's a documentary Um so that, I thought that was an odd, you know, curious choice. Um, I love those shows that you mentioned, too, like Parks and Rec and Modern Family. I like them. But again, th- that was always like a weird aspect of it that, oh, right, there's a documentary crew, I guess, always around.
0: <laughs> but it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a laugh track at this point. It's just something that sitcoms do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, OK. You can I guess you can still have a multi-camera sitcom with a laugh track and those can sometimes be funny just like you can still have a single camera sitcom and now of course you have the the fake documentary sitcom. So, you know, it's just it's a stylistic take but I will say that they do within the confines of the format it does work um just because the characters and the writing and the situations are funny.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So just just to fill people in in case they haven't seen it, Quinta Brunson plays Janine, who is a second year second grade teacher at this school, Abbott Elementary, and she's surrounded by a you know a motley crew, not by Motley Crew, which would be a different show, um, also (laughs) airing on Hulu. Uh, (laughs) A a crew of like you know sort of wacky teacher types. There's a I I love the uh, South Philadelphia veteran teacher. She's a white woman who's who. Has a lot of uh, shady connections that allows the school to get various supplies that they need. You have a more veteran teacher who uh, has been there forever. There's this great scene um, where some guy approaches her in a parking lot, some grown man, and he talks about how he she changed his life and, you know, really put him on the right track. And then she turns to, and when he leaves, she turns to Janine and says, I have no idea who that young man was. <laughs> And then, and then the then Eva, who's the principal, who's this hilarious character, really like the funniest character of the show, I think, who's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, she she seems to prefer her like uh, goop, beauty, and health and wellness regimens more than actually, she's not really a an educator. <laughs>
2: She's the principal of the school, but she's not really interested in anything related to education and, you know, thinks the teachers are kind of nerds <laughs> in a way.
0: Yeah, and she's always, like, she's always, like, updating her social media feed. And, but she, you know, but she has skills, too. Like, she comes in handy. There's there's a great episode where she helps Janine um, do a, an Instagram video to raise money mm-hmm. uh, for school supplies. And then there's this, you know, I don't know if you watch the uh there's the, they do a step club after school. Yes, and she, yeah.
2: Yeah. And she comes in and actually is, uh you know, good with the students on doing the step dance.
0: Yeah. And she inspires them and and they humanize her to some extent. And then there's Jacob. There's Jacob who is, uh you know, Janine's uh, cohort, second year cohort. He's like a middle school social studies teacher. And he's this like super woke, but, but <laughs> kind of nerdy gay white guy. Um, who's always like quoting white fragility and like trying to like tiptoe around sensitive cultural issues and everyone else just kind of rolls their eyes at him because they're they're much more grounded in practical matters basically and he's like he's kind of like this NPR listening stereotype in some ways.
2: Yeah. One of my favorite moments was when um, Jacob's class has been making fun of him and he goes and tells one of the veteran teachers and is asking her, like, well, how would you handle it when your class makes fun of you? And first of all, she says, well, they respect me and would never do that. And also, what would they even say? Like, what, (laughs) what could they possibly make fun of me for?
0: Right, like I'm a beautiful, well dressed, professional woman at the, you know, at the who uh, commands respect with my every utterance, kind of thing. And you know, and he's this kind of weird, nerdy, pimple faced guy who's 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 always uh, you know, quoting uh, Tanahesi Ta- 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 Coates to, to, to middle grade uh, students who c- couldn't care less. But you know, it's a really fresh take, I think, in some ways on on the school sitcom. Um, you know that which is a genre that like it's been moribund for a long time. I mean, I know they're they're actually rebooting Head of the Class.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, wow. they're
0: they're doing a reboot of it with a, with a I think with a black teacher. But you know, th- th- that show is very dated now. And you know, and then you had Welcome Back, Cotter, which in its time seemed like a you know gritty depiction of an urban school environment. You know, it was really just a star vehicle for for John Travolta and for Gabe Kaplan's stand up comedy. But you know, Abbott Elementary is like. You know, this is a modern sitcom. It's it's a little more grounded in, in reality.
2: Well, and one thing that's different, too, is those two shows you mentioned, which, um, you know, there's been lots of shows about schools, but those are about high school. So you can have the students played by... Um, Adults, older teens or yeah, adults pretending to be teens. And the students really um, are playing off the teacher. And it's more about that relationship. Whereas this one, it's really is about the teachers. And I kind of like that because it's, you know, they're dealing with young kids. So we're not having to have like child actors. And it's really about the teachers and how they relate to each other and um, how, you know, they approach their job. And I think it's really um, kind to the teachers, too.
0: Yeah. And, you know, te- teachers have had a, had a rough go of it the last couple of years, <laughs> to say the least. For, oh, yeah. For any number of reasons, you know, you know, there's there's a lot of culture war controversy there. You know, obviously, COVID has, you know, upended and, and I would I, everything. And I would say this the show doesn't really address much of that, honestly. I mean, there's some there's like a great episode where Jacob tries to teach his students about unions <laughs> and he, you know, he's full of you know all this uh, idealism about the, about working class revolts and all that. And then uh, the South Philly teacher brings in an actual union guy who's just out of um, out of prison, you know, where he was sent sent away for busting heads during a during a, a union action. So, uh, you know, <laughs> very funny. Um, and I, but I will say about when it comes to the kids, like you're right that like the kids are not the focus, but d- when the show does use them, it's very funny you know they're cute and they, they they do goofy kid things goofy dances or like you know makes little smart ass remarks but it's not like a melodrama they're very naturalistic
2: yeah and it shows the teachers trying to um it shows the sort of like child psychology part of being a teacher and how you have to like figure out how to approach kids and that's some of the um interesting parts where the younger teachers are coming to the older teachers for advice and they're like giving them you know these strategies of like well this is how you talk to a kid but you could try this or this is how you handle that kind of kid and um so that that's kind of interesting sort of you know teacher inside teacher talk yeah
0: i mean (laughs) teachers love this show they love it
2: (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure they would because it is very much a uh Valentine to uh, teachers. And uh, I guess Quinta Brunson's mother was a teacher. And uh, so she is basing some of this off of her mom. Um, But I think yeah, anyone who has been a teacher or has uh, had a parent who is a teacher would um, definitely see a lot of uh, their experience here.
0: Yeah, my mother was a teacher and she would have, she would have probably loved the show. I, I mean, I can't, I can, ne- you can never guarantee uh, what someone's going to like or not like. But I mean, again, like given how much pressure teachers have been under both like in the workplace and also culturally, it's, it's refreshing to see a show that puts them on a little bit of a pedestal while also humanizing them and and recognizing that their work is to some extent ridiculous. like their lives or some, not their work, but their lives to some extent. Right. Right. And it's just, it's just a really good show. I'm I'm, I'm quite surprised at how good it is. Honestly.
2: I also want to mention some of the side characters who aren't the teachers who I also really enjoy. Um, There's the janitor at the school. Who's this kind of this uh, strange uh, older guy who, you know, (laughs) he's clearly been working at the school forever and you just get little glimpses. Into his life, you know, he'll just kind of come in and talk about how he was in the Olympics or he'll come out and do like magic tricks that like confound everyone. And then he goes back to his business. And then there's also um, Janine, Quinta Brunson's character's uh, boyfriend. Oh, He's
0: hilarious. He's like he's like a bad rapper.
2: Yeah, (laughs) he's a bad
0: rapper with a heart of gold. He kind of reminds me of like early, early parks and recreation depictions of Chris Pratt's character.
2: Yeah, no, definitely very much like that character.
0: (laughs) He's like a hip hop mouse rat.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause he's like an okay rapper and he's clearly like not got a lot going on in his life and it's probably a little bit selfish and maybe isn't the best boyfriend for her, but
0: <laughs> but he's not a bad guy,
2: but not a bad guy. Right. 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 But Yeah. Cause
0: obviously like, well, that's, that's another thing to mention is that the show also has a classic si- uh, sitcom, you know, will they get together vibe between uh, Janine and Gregory who is the sort of handsome wannabe principal, you know, part-time right. teacher who's clearly going to be a full-time teacher. Um, you know, and he sort of fills the role of um Adam Scott in Parks and Rec or um or Jim Halpert, you know, John right. Krasinski. He's got that it's that same vibe going on. And so like the show really like ticks off a lot of uh, a lot of the boxes that made uh, Parks and Rec and The Office so popular. It's very clever in that way.
2: Yeah, the, a lot I mean As someone who, you know, watched every season of Parks and Rec and The Office, you know, I can really see these sort of character archetypes coming out um, in the Abbott Elementary characters, but they've done it enough. So they've kind of like done twists on it or moved, you know, this type of character, like the wild, crazy, you know, Aziz Ansari type character from Parks and Rec. Well, now it's more like the principal on Abbott Elementary. So she's the person in the position of power instead of one of the, you know, Uh, just regular staff members so it's like a little bit of a shift
0: she's also got a little bit of a ron swanson vibe to her you know just she doesn't really care about the institution itself and
2: the
0: whole the whole thing is just like is like very clever but what separates it from the older show is that it well a it's you know it's not a black show and that every character is black but it you know pretty much every student in the school is black and so it's like it's very very, uh, black show in in a certain sense. And also like it just, you know, there's the specificity of the educational environment, which I think it gets better than any comedy certainly ever has.
2: Yeah. It definitely feels like a real school looks more like a real school. (laughs) And yeah, I think it definitely is worth mentioning that. Uh, yeah, it's a predominantly black cast. Um, and, uh, yeah, aside from Quinta Brunson, you have, um, Janelle James plays the principal and Cheryl Lee Ralph, the great Cheryl Lee Ralph plays Barbara, one of the veteran teachers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Let, let's not forget, you know, bar, you know, Cheryl Lee Ralph, like, you know, and and that's like your casting home run right there. Yeah. You know, and then I would also say like schools, especially schools in, in cities like Philadelphia, there's been a lot of controversy over, you know, masking kids and like, you know, and, and, you know, kids eating lunch outside and socially distanced in the cold and all that I, you know, Abbott elementary does not go there. This is a, this is a, a, a reality uh, that where COVID never existed, which is probably okay. I mean, it's, it's certainly more fun to watch. It's not, it, it makes it a little bit of a fantasy show, but that, you know, why else do you watch TV? I
2: mean, and that's something I've noticed on a lot of shows that maybe had to um, just kind of stop production and restart kind of in COVID era or post-covid, COVID. Well, I don't think we're post COVID, but that they kind of make little nods where someone will randomly have a face mask or like be holding one or something, but they're just not really trying to grapple with, with that at all.
0: It's hard to do it and make it funny. Right. That's the thing. And, you know, I mean, obviously like in the real life Abbott elementary COVID policies until maybe very recently would have, would have been pretty much the predominant reality uh, of everything, but you know, I, I'm enjoying watching a show about a school that isn't about COVID.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're right that um, it's much better to just kind of <laughs> kind of have that fantasy and kind of forget about it for a little bit and just enjoy the comedy. Yep.
0: All right. Well, Abbott Elementary, new episodes uh, starting up again, uh, March 22nd on ABC, and it is on Hulu now for you to enjoy. Lonnie, thanks so much for stopping in. We'll see your work in Book and Film Globe very soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Neil. Alright, thanks Lonnie Gonzalez for talking to me about Abbott Elementary. If you didn't know by now, you should be watching that show. It's a lot of fun and it will make you feel good about yourself and restore your faith in public education or at least in tv shows about public education and thanks to michael washburn for talking to me about why dostoevsky matters and why banning russian literature in an age of war instigated by russia is a bad idea i am neil Pollock. i am the editor-in-chief of book and film globe www.bookandfilmglobe.com we cover books and film and streaming tv and so much more thanks for reading the site Thanks for listening to the show. We will talk to you soon.
2: But well, I do know that I love you.
1: And I know that if you love me too,
2: for the wonderful world this would
0: be. And special thanks to Matthew Sheffer for editing and producing this.
1: mind is going. <laughs> 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 Original production.